Hey, welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth steps, resources, join a servant team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this moment financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. So our family had been driving all day long. We were tired, we were ready for a good night's sleep, and so we checked into a little cheap economy hotel room. It was right next to a Target, and we decided let's go get some late night snacks. So after we checked in and moved our gear into the room, we walked across the parking lot and into Target. And as we're headed back to the snack aisle, I stop at the towel aisle. It just caught my attention because I thought back to the hotel room we had just checked into. And it's not surprising because it was a cheaper economy hotel room, but when I went into the bathroom, it had really, really bad towels. I mean, these towels should have been replaced probably like a decade ago. I mean, they were that bad. I mean, there was like sandpaper when you dry off with them. And so I thought, man, you know what? I need a good shower tonight. I have been driving all day long. And when I saw at Target these amazing, luxury, soft white towels, I thought, you know what? I deserve it. I deserve me a nice towel. I've been driving all day. So I picked up a set of nice, soft, white towels, and I put them in my Target shopping cart. And I keep pushing my cart back to the snack aisle when I stopped at the bedspreads. I didn't plan this, but, but as I passed the bedspreads, I, I remembered the comforter that was in the hotel room, and I wondered if it had been washed any time recently. It had that musty smell to it, and I, I saw the, the nice, amazing comforter on sale, and I thought, you know what? I deserve this. So, so I picked it up, and I put it in the cart. Because I've been driving literally all day. I'm like, I deserve me some comfort. And I was pushing my cart along when I saw on the end cap something else that caught my attention. I'm in the shopping mode, and I see this Aroma Pro scent diffuser. And, and they had it plugged in. They were sampling the smell. And as I, as I smelled it, I was like, that, that smells really good. Total contrast to how my hotel room smelled. This, this cheap economy hotel room, it, it, it smelled musty. I mean, it did not smell good at all. It was just, it just not a good smell. But this Aroma Pro scent diffuser, on the other hand, was amazing. And, and it was a deal. So I, I got it and I put it in the cart. And on the way to the snack aisle, I, I passed the electronic section. And there they were clearancing out a 65-inch television because they were making room for their new 70-inch models. And if you bought it that day, you got a mini fridge. They're, they're pitching a mini fridge, literally. I'm like, are you kidding me? I can get a 65-inch television on an extremely cheap discount, and I get a mini fridge? For sure I'm getting it. Load it up, put it in my cart. And if you would have saw me pushing my cart through the Target parking lot. 
And, and if you would have saw me and if I had actually bought all those things and I had the towel and the comforter and the scent diffuser and I had the 65-inch screen TV and the mini fridge, if that had actually happened and you saw me pushing my cart through the parking lot back to my hotel room to upgrade my room, you would say, Brandon, you have lost your mind. What are you thinking, man? Because you're only staying there for a short time. Yeah, you're going to spend all that money on upgrading something that you will not be able to keep. Why do we spend so much effort, time, and money upgrading this life when we don't get to hold on to it? I love and am also deeply challenged by Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, when he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, why store up treasures in this life? They're so fragile. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Treasures that are permanent. I know you want that sense of permanency. I, I know you want that sense of the eternal. You, you want it here. You, you want this to be your forever. You want to build a great life. You want to be comfortable. I do too. Listen, in my flesh, I want that too. I, I want this life to be as good as it can be. I want to feel comfortable. I want to enjoy life to the fullest. I, I, I want this life to be good, but Jesus challenges us and he, and he, and he hits us right and, and convicts us right in the area of our greatest temptation. He says, listen, you're trying to make your eternal life, this life, and this life is not eternal. Because your treasures here, no matter how amazing they are, no matter how great you can make them, they will not last. They're fragile and can be gone in a moment. And Jesus says the treasures here, they're not going to last. So don't build your life for treasures on earth. Build your life for treasures in heaven. Now we're talking about our finances. We're in a teaching series called Cashing In, Settling Up With Money. And so many people have money issues, money pain, money problems. And so we are going to talk about money in this teaching series. But this conversation is so much bigger than your money. It's so much bigger than your checkbook or your bank account. Jesus is talking about your heart. And your finances is just one way to access your heart. What you really care about, what you love, what you're focused on. So, so where are your treasures? Where are you building your treasures? Are your treasures in this life? Are you living for this life? Or are you living for something that's more, that's going to last? See, Jesus is trying to keep you from making a bad investment with your one life. And you only have one life to live. And so I'm hoping that today somebody who hears this message, God's going to rescue you and redeem you from wasting the rest of the only life you get here on earth. By trying to build up treasures on earth. It's a waste of your life. Literally a waste. Poor investment. Steve Stroop was talking to a group. I, I heard him teach. He was talking about, you know, poor investments. And he talked about finances. And he, he was saying that, that you know, I'm going to give you a, a tip on investing. It's an acronym, T-I-P. And he said, don't, don't try to time the market. Don't, don't try to time the market. It's a terrible idea. You, you will get it wrong every time. You'll lose a lot of money. That's the T in tip. He says the I in tip is don't pick individual stocks. I know it's a big thing now and everybody's got their apps on their phone and you can pick stocks and all that because it's a lot like gambling. It's like, don't do that. The pros recommend picking a mutual fund or an, a, an index fund. Just put it 
in a group of them, and then you have to watch it every day, whether it's going up and down, and you don't know. It's, it's beyond your experience. Like, don't, don't gamble. Don't, don't pick individual stocks. And then he said the P is, is don't make investments based on people with conflict of interest. People with conflict of interest. You'll lose friends. <laughs> your cousin with the, the great new investment idea, <laughs> just invest your money. You'll lose friends, you'll lose family, and you'll lose a lot of money. So, so here's, here's my, my things, he said. This is my TIP. And he was giving some financial advice, and I think it's really good advice. I mean, he's talking again about poor investment, and that's what Jesus is saying. I mean, there's, there's poor investments like we just talked about. You can make a lot of poor investments in this life with your money, but Jesus is, again, talking about something so much greater, so much bigger, so much broader. He's saying you can actually make bad investments with your heart. You, you, can, you can choose to invest the best of yourself in something that returns less over time. It depreciates in value that you actually end up with less than what you began with. A good investment, you have more than what you put in when you're done. A bad investment, you end up with less. And Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6, he's saying don't end up with less. Store up for yourselves. Here it is. Let's look at it again. Matthew 6, 20. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. They're eternal. They're going to last. They're going to pay dividends forever where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, that's, that's what matters. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not just talking about your money. Your treasures are important, and how you, how you manage your money is very important. But the bigger conversation here, Jesus is saying your heart is going to go with your treasures. And there's certain investments you can make that are very bad investments. They don't grow and gain over time. They decrease. So think hard about where you're investing your treasures. Where are you investing your treasures? Because you're going to have a lot of regret if you misinvest, if you poorly invest. Maybe you want to write something down today. I'd say think hard on your future or a hard future is coming. Think hard about it. Not just your future of the next five years. Not, not your retirement plan. Think beyond that. <laughs> think about your eternal retirement plan. You're forever 401k. Are you putting your treasures in this life? Are you putting all your eggs in this basket? Because Jesus says, if you are, that's, that's a foolish investment. It's so fragile. It can be gone in a moment. Really, you're going to live for, for this? I mean, this, this is over before you know it. About the time you start to accumulate anything, your body starts to deteriorate. You can't enjoy it. I mean, before you know it, you blink your eyes and the kids are grown. Next moment, you turn around and you're, you're finishing and wrapping up a career that you poured so much of your heart and soul into. People come and go in your life. Seasons change. Your health changes. But this life, the one thing you can count on is that it will be gone before you know it. You say, but I'm young. I got a lot of years ahead of me. I, I hope you do. But how many stories do you know of lives that were, lives that were cut short long before they should have been? You don't know if a cancer or a car accident is going to take you. You don't know when your hour is. None of us do. But Jesus is saying it's fragile. This, this life you have, this is fragile. So do not live to build up treasures on this earth. You make it a foolish decision. Think hard on your future or a hard future is coming. Meaning a future where you regret that you wasted your life on a poor investment. During the Revolutionary War, the English hired German soldiers, the Hessians. And there was a Hessian camp led by Colonel Rawl, 
And they were together on Christmas night, 1776, in Trenton, New Jersey. And little did they know, but George Washington and the Continental Army were advancing. They had crossed the Delaware, and they were on Christmas night, early into the morning, the day after Christmas, they were advancing to attack the Hessian camp, their headquarters. And a loyalist spy went to Colonel Rawls area to warn them that General Washington was coming. But because he couldn't get into the actual house where Colonel Raw was, because he was denied entrance, he wrote down his warning. Hey, General Washington, they're advancing. He wrote down this warning and he gave it to a porter who took it in to Colonel Raw. But Colonel Raw was busy playing cards. You know, they're, they're drinking, having fun, they're partying together. It's, it's the night of Christmas. They're, they're all together. And, and he takes this note. Yeah, 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 give, give me the note. And he tucks it in his pocket while he's playing cards. Well, later on that evening, of course, famously, they hear musket fire as the Hessian soldiers are firing their muskets against the advancing General George Washington and the Continental Army who do overtake them eventually. But the real tragedy of the story is even though they had been warned, Colonel Rawl didn't read the warning. He tucked it in his pocket. Later, he received two shots, two musket shots to his side. He later died that night. But before doing so, before he expired, he, he, he ordered an official, uh, an official um, surrender to General Washington, which they eventually did surrender. And they were defeated that night, but he lost his life and death because he did not heed a warning that he was given. In Proverbs 16, 25, it says, there is a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Don't miss Jesus' warning. Don't tuck it in your pocket and say, I got this, I'm good, I'm, I'm good, I can, I can do both. I can, I can juggle this world and I can be comforted and enjoy this world and live for this world and build up treasures here. And I still got God, I still go to church, I pray, I read my Bible. Like You're being lied to by the devil and there's a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. You cannot, you cannot live for this world and also live for God. You just can't do it. They're mutually exclusive. See, God warns us here that there's a spiritual battle being waged for our souls, for your family, for the people that you care about. There is an enemy that's advancing on your life, on your home, on your church, on your community, on the people that you care about. There's an enemy that is advancing, and you have been warned. So don't, don't, don't do what Colonel Raw did and tuck it into your pocket and say, I got it, because he paid dearly for that. And as it tells in Proverbs there's, there's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death, to regret. See, another place in God's word in Mark chapter 8, we're asked this same topic, the same question. And Jesus says, for, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? What do you, what do you gain if, if you get everything that you desire? I mean, think about what are your dreams? I mean, sometimes that's fun just to think about, right? I mean, have you ever thought about like, if, if I had a big lump sum of money, what would I do with it? If I got a big bonus, what would I do? If I, if I paid off these bills, what would I do? And, and what if every single one of your financial dreams came true? I mean, think about it. Like, how amazing would that be? All the things that you hope to accomplish. 
And, and, and now go back to Jesus' question for a moment. What if you gain everything in the world beyond what you desire, everything that you can imagine, but you forfeit your soul? What, what have you actually gained? See, many people are distracted by profits, by getting more, by gaining. And, and I want to encourage you to write this down. Chasing profit is a terrible investment of your one life. It is. It's just a bad investment. Chasing profit will never profit your soul. It will destroy your soul. If that's what you're living for, if that's, if that's your end game, if that's your goal in this life, it'll destroy you. It'll unravel you. It'll leave you with less. It's a bad investment. And somebody listening to this message, listen, God might be speaking right to you today. In your heart of hearts, you're living for profit, for more, for gain. There's an underlying issue of greed and you want more and you think if you had more, you would be happy. You would be better. You would be fulfilled. Life would be good if only you had more. But Jesus is saying that's foolish. More of this life cannot fulfill the more that your soul is longing for. It just can't do it. It's not possible. The more that you're actually looking for is found only in Jesus Christ. It's only found in a relationship with God where you love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And when you really are living for him and his kingdom and the things that are eternal, his reign over your life in this world. Listen, when you're living for something that matters, you don't need to profit from this world. But if you're not living for God, then the, the only thing that you think is going to satisfy you is more of what this world has to offer. But this world is a terrible investment because it's fast and it's furious. And in the end, it will disappoint you. It will disappoint you. We can apply this principle of heeding the warning to our actual financial lives too. We're talking about money in this teaching series and some people have been feeling money pain for a while or money pressure for a while. You might have a lot or you might have a little. You might have a lot of debt or you might have no debt. But you've, 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 you've felt that nagging pressure there, that pain that surfaces from time to time and you've been ignoring it. And maybe you want to serve God. Maybe you want to be a good money manager. And maybe after last week you heard that message and you said, you know what, I want to pay off my debts. I want to save up. I want to invest. I want to be a better money manager. I want to give. I want to be a generous person. Whatever your financial goals were, you may have made a commitment. And it's not that you're not committed to your commitment, it's that you've made too many commitments. See, some people say, I'm going to pay off all my debt, but then they go out and they, 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 they get a new vehicle. Because theirs is you know, a few years old now, and they're like, man, I'd, I'd love to upgrade and get a new vehicle. And they, they make a commitment there, a financial commitment, a few hundred bucks a month. I can handle that. And it's not that that one commitment kills their primary commitment to pay off all their debt or save up for their kid's college or retire. It's not that. It's just, it's just another commitment. It makes the, the first one harder. And that first commitment's still there when they decide to upgrade their cell phone. And it's just, you know, it's an extra 40 bucks a month. But man, I really want that upgraded camera and my screen is cracked. And, you know, I've just had this phone a while and there's a new version. And it's, it's just another commitment. It's okay. I mean, it's, it's not bad in itself, but it's another commitment. Same thing with the three different streaming services. I, my favorite show is on this one, but I also like that one, and this one's cheap. I'm just going to get them all. Or it's, or it's the streaming music service, or the gaming subscription, or the gym subscription. And, and on and on the list goes. And it's, it's not that any one of those things necessarily are wrong. It's just when you make so many commitments, so many obligations. It's not that you don't want to fulfill the first commitment you made to, to get out of debt or to, to give generously. 
or to, to pay off loans so that you can save up and invest or whatever your goal is. It's not that you're not committed to it. It's that you have competing commitments. And those competing commitments rob you of your ability to fulfill your primary commitment. And I think what Jesus is trying to say here in Matthew 6, verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what I think he's trying to say is that, that if you're committed to me, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted to make other commitments in addition. And, and when you start making other commitments, they can compete against your primary commitment. And you may say you love God. You may say you believe in God. But when you start to give a little bit of your time, a little bit of your money, a, a little bit of your attention, a little bit of your effort to a hundred other little things, it's not that you don't still love God. It's that you're crowding him out of your life. Your commitment to him is drifting. You've, you don't have time to worship him anymore because I'm busy. I, I can't. I can't fund kingdom endeavors because I've made a lot of other commitments. I don't have the money. I, I want to be in a group and, and spend time studying the Bible and, and praying with other believers and hanging out with them. But I just, I have a full schedule. I'm busy. And on and on the list goes. But the point is, it's not that you don't love God anymore, that you're not committed to him. It's that you've made competing commitments, competing the commitments that keep you away from your primary commitment. And, and what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6, 21, my heart will be where my investment is. Write it down. My, my heart will be with my investment. Wherever you make your investment of your time, we're talking about money right now, wherever you put your money, wherever your passion is, that's where your heart will go. So where are you investing? Let me just ask you this, okay, just, just between you and God. Where do you think you are putting your primary investments? Let's talk about money, but let's talk about every other part of your life. Where are you putting your investments? You know, your finances is pretty easy to track. You can go over the last month and you can, you can see exactly where you put your money. It's true with your time too. You can get on your calendar. You can look back and see where you put your time, where you invested your time the last seven days. See, you can make an honest and objective evaluation of where you're investing. But what you may not realize is that where you have been investing is also where you have been keeping your heart. It's where you've been putting your love. It's, it's where your affection is. It's where your desires are. And, and if, if you have to honestly assess where you've been investing and you come to the conclusion that it's not been primarily for God, then what you can know is that your heart is not primarily invested in God. If all your investments of your time and your energy and your money are in anything other than God and his kingdom, then you can know that that's where your heart is drifting to. See, we, we do want to master our money and get good at our money, but we don't want our, mas our money to master us. We don't want to work for money. In fact, I want to challenge you today that the title of this message is, is never work for money again because I don't want you to work for money. I know that you have a paycheck and you work to get a paycheck, but you, you don't ever have to work for money again. I don't want money to be your master because if money's your master, that means God is not. If you're living your life for money, for profit, for gain, for more, you're not living it for God. And it's not my word. You don't take my word for it. It's, it's Jesus' words. Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be de- you will be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. It's not possible. You cannot love the world and live for the world and be all into the world, pursue the world, give your heart and your affection and your desires and your money and your time to the world, and then say, God, but I'm I'm all in for you. You can't. You 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 have to choose. So who are you living for? Not based on what you think right now in this service, but based on where you're putting your investment, based on where you're putting your attention, because that's where your heart is. I'm telling you, your heart goes with your investment. And Jesus said it. He said, your heart will be there wherever your treasure is. So that's why maybe Jesus talked about money, possessions, and our material parts of our world more than he even talked about prayer. It's because he knew that the path to prayer, to communion with God, It has to go right through where we invest our life, where we put our time, the choices that we make. See, all those things, all those decisions that we make, they have an impact on what we worship or who we worship. My challenge for you today is to decide who you will serve. Decide who your master will be. Don't be enslaved to the things of this world. You you can still have money as a a Christian. I'm not saying that you can't have money. In fact, we need Christians to make a lot of money. We need Christians that will go out in the marketplace and be successful and then take a lot of that money and help the poor, fund kingdom endeavors and Christian nonprofits and build churches. We need successful business leaders in the marketplace. I mean, we need that. And and it's not bad to enjoy wealth. If, If God's blessed you with wealth, it's not bad for you to enjoy it to enjoy some of the things that God gives you. It's not bad. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. But here's the thing. You can't live for it. You can't live to make more money. You can't can't live to enjoy things that money can provide and still say that God is your master because if you're living for the world, you're not living for God. So who are you living for? Where is your heart? Where is your investment? Because if it's not in God, if it's not in his kingdom, you're making a poor investment. You're wasting your one life. Think about it. This world will not last. You can't hold on to it. Tomorrow's not promised. And for our sin, the wrath of God is coming. God will not overlook injustice forever. He will not overlook the sinful ways of humanity forever. It will be poured out in an eternal fashion for all time. In a very painful, in a very strong way. God, God cannot tolerate sin. He's patient with us, giving us time to repent and turn from our sin. But if I asked you what your biggest debt was today, and I said, hey, what, what debt would you love to have paid off? The mortgage, the college student loans, the, the MasterCard bill, what, what is it? You might have a, a name of a company in mind, but, but you'd be mistaken to think that that's your biggest debt you'd love to have paid off because... Jesus said in Matthew 6, 12, Father, forgive us our debts. Our sins are a debt against a holy God. And your sin has created a massive chasm between you and a God who loves you so much. And he can't overlook it. And he won't overlook it. And because he's also not only a loving God, but a just God, he will have to give punishment for your sins. But the amazing thing about God is that because he's so gracious and generous and loving, he paid the death penalty for you through his son Jesus. Because the wages of sin, the cost of sin, the debt of sin, is, it's death. The wages of sin, Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God 
free to you, but not without cost, because it cost him the life of his son Jesus, who died on a cross for you. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can be forgiven of your debt completely and fully. Imagine that, your biggest debt completely wiped out. What would that feel like financially? If someone said, I want to pay off your debt. You're just going to write a check and your debt is gone. How incredible would that be? I mean, how amazing would you feel? And then to think that spiritually, that we have such a bigger debt than we can ever imagine. And then in one move, God paid it off through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. And all you have to do is receive it. And when he, in humility, you receive it and say, yes, Jesus, I receive you into my life. And thank you for paying that penalty for my sin. You can be forgiven of your greatest debt. And not only that, but be reconciled into a relationship with God and entrusted with an inheritance that will last forever, the eternal kingdom of God forever. This is the promise of treasures that never spoil, that never fade, that never rust, that can't be stolen. Treasures that will last forever. And I want to live for the kingdom of God. I want to live for something that will last forever. How about you? What are you living for? Where's your heart? Where's your investment being made? My hope is that my investment will be made in something that is eternal, something that will last forever. So before we close this message in prayer, I, I want to give you a very specific challenge. I want to encourage you to do it today. The very next thing, if you can clear your calendar right now, I'd say do it after this service. Clear your calendar. Do it now. Do it tonight. Do it tomorrow. But sometime this week, in the next few days, in the next 24 hours if you can, I want you to to schedule a time with God, a meeting with God, by yourself, get alone with God. If, if you're married, I wanna encourage you both to do it and then come together after you both have had your individual time with God, maybe even now after the service is done. But, but get alone with God. And I want you to settle up with money. We're talking about money in this teaching series, but it's so much more than money. Settle up with money, and what I mean by money, the things of this world, the material things, that I don't know about you, but what a temptation to to live for the things of this world, to enjoy the things of this world. You know, we get so enamored, and maybe without realizing it, you got caught up in pursuing the things of this world, and, and before you know it, the things of this world, money can be your master. We're talking about how to master our money in this teaching series, and I want that for you, but what I want more is for God to master your heart, to master your desires, and for you to be fully submitted to him as the master of your life and your soul. But be reminded of Jesus' words. You can't serve this world. You can't serve money and serve God. You, you can't have two masters. You're gonna have one and you will eventually love one and hate the other. So what do you love really in your heart? What are you living for? Build up treasures that last forever. And in that time you spend with God, I want you to just to give an honest assessment of where am I investing? And, and, and catalog your life. Your, your calendar, your time, your, your checkbook, your finances, your, your passion, your focus, what you think about all the time, what, you, what you're putting your heart and soul into. Just think through your life, and maybe you need to write it down, but just take, take some time. I'm telling you, don't miss this opportunity. Just settle accounts with God and say, God, honestly, it looks to me like I'm investing in the treasures of this world. Help me course correct. Help me to invest in the things that matter for all of time because I know that where my treasure is, that's where my heart's gonna be. And I want my heart to be with you and what matters to you, God. And what matters to you is people and your people, that's the church. It's your kingdom, God. It's, it's, it's what you're accomplishing in this world that's gonna last forever. So are you investing in the same things that God cares about? My hope is that in this teaching series, you'll move closer to investing your life 
and what truly matters forever. And that's God and his kingdom, his people. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. It all comes down to that. What are you investing in? I hope your investments will really last. Right on, right on. Let's pray. Hey, Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to worship you uh, through our life investments. And some of us have invested poorly for so long, but today is a reckoning. Today is coming back and saying, God, I, I don't want to make poor investments anymore. I want to invest in what matters. And that's, a, that's you, God. I want to invest in, in you and your kingdom. And so, God, I pray that you call people out as they spend time with you. Convict us, God. Show us the areas of our heart that need to change. Help us see where we're putting our treasures and where we're putting our hearts so that, God, we can be fully, recklessly committed to you and we can abandon the, the pursuit of this world and we can fully pursue you. Jesus, that's what we want. And I pray for that person who's hearing this message today that's entangled in the sin of this world, that's entangled in the desires of this world. I pray that, God, you'd set them free to really run in joy and peace and love as they pursue you and your kingdom. God, build your kingdom, build your church, help, help lives to be changed and transformed through decisions that are made as each and every one of us settle accounts, not only with money, but with our heart. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship Original Song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.